You're listening to sermons from Crossroads Community Church. You can find out more information about Crossroads by visiting our website at crossroads.cc or by visiting us on Sunday mornings at 1420 Lakeside Drive in Yorktown, Virginia. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Let's dismiss our kids first. Uh, small group leaders waiting for you in the back so you guys can head that way. Um, thank you guys that serve in the back so faithfully uh, for our kids' ministry. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, uh, today is uh, what we call Palm Sunday. It is the day that uh, starts the week that leads up to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, so a really, really important week, one that uh, really should cause in us reflection. And then as we come towards uh, next Sunday, Easter Sunday, a lot of celebration. So we have palm branches. Uh, palm Sunday is the, the, the day that Jesus rode into Jerusalem and people waved the palm branches and, and laid down their coats and cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And within just a few short days, things really flipped and really changed. Um, he so offended the religious leaders that they sought out to crucify him and kill him. And so we will celebrate the Lord's Supper today uh, together, the Passover meal like they did uh, on that, um, during that week as well. And then Friday we gather for a Good Friday service at Calvary Chapel Newport News. So two churches come together. Uh, that's, uh, we've got uh, from 5 to 6.30 is kind of the, a walkthrough experience for you. It's, it's age appropriate. Your kids can come. You ought to be there. It's so good. You can walk through all these different experiences. And if you went last year, it was like uh, the opening of Bush Gardens. I mean, there were so many people there. And we waited and waited and waited, um, but we've doubled everything, so that should cut the line down by half at least. Uh, so don't be afraid of that. Um, but again, uh, you can bring your family, your kids, it's fine. Uh, and it will, it will really help you focus in on what Good Friday is all about and the, and the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Um, that starts from 5 to 6.30, the walkthrough. And then at 7 is the uh, Good Friday service. So if you can only make it to the walkthrough, it is well worth it. If you can only make it to the Good Friday service at 7, it is well worth it. And if you can do both, I'm telling you, you're going to be super blessed. So uh, plan to join us for that on Friday. Uh, if you have, um, if you ordered a t-shirt like this uh, in advance, it's available to you now. It's at uh, guest services labeled for you. If you ordered it, you can stop by and pick that up so you can wear that with us on Friday night. And then we'll join together here on Easter on Sunday, so it's an incredible week. We'll come together and celebrate. You guys ready for Easter? Yeah, me too. It's, it is the Super Bowl of, of church, so uh, uh, please invite your friends and family to come with you on Easter. All right, so we are uh, finishing up this series called Only Jesus. I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Have you enjoyed it? Uh, it's been so good for me. Uh, I told you in the beginning that the goal of the series was to help all of us see Jesus more clearly. In the same way that you, you walk into uh, or walk out of the eye doctor, you know, you get your first pair of glasses or get your first set of contacts and you walk out and you're just like, oh my gosh, everything is so clear. Your eyes are completely opened. In the same way through this series that you would see Jesus in a clear and fresh way. Uh, if you're blind to him, that your eyes would be open to him. If he's been fuzzy to you, that he becomes very clear to you. And that's been happening in this uh, series. For the last time, let's look at our memory verse for, uh, for this sermon series. We've been doing this together for the last five or so weeks. It's Colossians 1.17. Uh, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
All right, let's take it off the screen so you don't cheat. Was it on the screen? All right, let's all say it together. Colossians 1.17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I don't know about you, but I have needed that verse this month. Anybody else? I have needed it. Um, and so then we've been praying together as well. Lord, I expect my loved ones to trust you fully. Start with me. I'll go first. Uh, teach me how to trust you fully, and I want my family to trust you fully, my loved ones to trust you fully. All right, so um, last week I, um, we went all the way up through almost the end of chapter 4 of Colossians, and I, I gave you the, the flow of Colossians. Do you remember it? Jesus is, help me out, Jesus is in me changing everything. Yes, Jesus is in me changing everything. That's the flow of the book of Colossians. Jesus is first. Jesus is everything. We see that in the beginning of Colossians. He is supreme. He is above all things. He is sufficient. He is all we need. There is nothing lacking in him. He is everything. Colossians 1 tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. He is the creator. He is the sustainer. He is the one who holds all things together. He is the head of the church. He is supreme. He is the fullness of God. He is the great reconciler. He is the one who cleanses our past, the one who cancels our debt, the one who crushes our enemy. Jesus is everything. Jesus is in me. That's an amazing truth that Jesus is in me. Everything that Jesus is, he is in me. Soak that in for a moment. If you place your faith in Jesus, then Jesus is in you and you are in Jesus. It's a powerful thing. Jesus is in me changing everything. So when Jesus moves in to our heart and our lives, he intends to do a total life changeover to change everything about you and about me. Colossians 3 tells us that we take off the old clothes. Remember that last week? The old clothes and the new clothes. We take off the old clothes of the raggedy clothes of sexual immorality and lust and evil desires and greed and anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language. All of that comes off. We shed all of those things off and we put on the new clothes. It says in verse 12 through 17, clothes of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. We are forgiving people. We are loving people. We sing to the Lord. We are grateful. We do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. He changes everything. And then he gets real specific. He says, husbands, I want to change you. Wives, Jesus wants to change everything about you. Children, Jesus wants to change everything about you. Fathers, employees, employers, and on and on it goes. Jesus wants to change everything. So Jesus is in me changing everything. When we get to the very end of uh, the book of Colossians, what seems to be just a few verses of, you know, like you would have at the end of a letter, you know, you write at the beginning of the letter, dear so-and-so, here's all the, the, the text and the, the subject of that letter. And at the end, you get to the goodbyes, right? Like it was you kind of turn tables. It was, it's really nice uh, that I can write this letter to you. I've missed you. Uh, tell so-and-so hello for me. Uh, have a great rest of your life. Goodbye. You know, we, we kind of think that that's the end of what this letter's like, but there's so, much, there's so much depth to just the few verses at the very end where he's saying goodbye and closing out this letter. We learn that Jesus does want to change everything, but he also wants to change 
the church. He wants to change everything about the church. And we see that in the closing of this letter. So let's read it together. Just a few verses. Colossians 4, uh, starting in verse 15 to 18. And this is the last um, few verses of this book. It says, Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters of Laodicea and to Nympha and to the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus, see, uh, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received and the Lord. Last verse, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. And you look at those few verses and you're like, how are we going to preach a sermon out of those few verses? Well, in those verses are all kinds of nuggets of how Jesus wants to change the church. Let's go through some of them together. First, again, it's not an exhaustive list, but a good list. Before we do it, let me ask you a question. How many of you have been at Crossroads for more than 20 years? Yep, there's a few of you. <coughs> Excuse me. How many of you have been to Crossroads for like, <coughs> uh, like the last 10 to 19 years, somewhere in there? That's me. All right. How about um, the last like five to nine years? All right. A good chunk of you. How many of you like the last uh, one to four years? Somewhere like that. All right. How many of you within the last year? have been new to Crossroads. A good chunk of you as well. So I've never had to actually look for a new church before, um, uh, but many of you have. You move to the area, uh, you have to look for a church, you're, you're military, you move into the area and you have to find a church. I've never had to do that. I imagine it's difficult. Is it hard? <laughs> Is it difficult to do that? What do you look for? Let's just say, you know, you go online and you start looking for a church and you go visit a church. What are you looking for in a church, especially maybe as a, as a military family who moves in the area? What, are you, what do you look for? Just tell me. Say it out loud. What do you look for? Youth ministry. Is that what you said, someone back there? Youth, kids ministry. Scriptural truth. What else? Belonging, community. Someone said family over there. Leadership. What, anything else? I didn't hear that one. The love of the people, yeah, yeah. So all these kinds of different things that we look at, you may have, you know, that may be why you're settled here. You say, maybe we were looking for something that had kids ministry, good, it did. Uh, the leader's okay, you know, he does okay. There's, there's some scriptural truth there. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you, you, you look at all those things and you say, okay, yeah, we're going to settle down here at this, at this church. Well, Paul gives us a list of things that I think are, important for us to look at in a church and evaluate even our own church. And again, it's not exhaustive, but things that you should look for in a church. Let's go through them, and they pull them all out of these few verses. Number one, churches should meet together. That is kind of obvious. Churches should meet together. People should come together. He's talking about all these different churches here. He, he, he names several of them. He's like, you know, give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And he's kind of going through the, a list of different churches here. It's pretty obvious that there's an expectation that they're going to get together and read this letter that Paul has just written to send to them. It's kind of like a, just like I know it's pretty obvious that you're going to eat lunch today. I don't even need to say it, right? 
Are you going to eat lunch today? Some of you are going to take a nap today. It's pretty obvious. I can see it in your faces right now. How many of you are going to take a nap today? Pretty obvious some of you are going to do that. Yeah? Um, you, you can kind of, it's pretty obvious that we're going to meet here again next week for Easter, right? It's going to happen. I can tell you, hey, don't forget, we're having Easter service next week. You already know that we're having Easter service next week. We're going to meet here at 9.30 and 11. So these, it's an obvious thing here that Paul's kind of built into this, this closing of this letter that they're going, these churches are going to meet together. God's people are going to meet together. They're going to do it regularly, and they're going to read the Scripture, this letter, together when they do. I am so grateful that we have an online presence here at the church and an option for people to worship online, for people that don't live in the area, kids are sick, you're not feeling well, you need to stay home. All of those things are great for an online uh, experience. I'm amazed every year, when I, uh, every week when I look at it to see, you know, we have people that meet and, you know, that are watching us from all different places across the world. It's incredible. But if that's you and that becomes like your routine that you're just watching all the time, how can you, how can you one another? I would, I would encourage you to then invite people to watch it with you because you're supposed to meet together. Even if it's in your house and you guys are watching online, get together with some people because that's important and watch the service together. Worship together. Talk about the service afterwards. Go through some thoughts and questions with each other. Don't just get into a routine of watching it, turning it off, waiting till the next week, watching it, turning it off. Get around some people. Well, the Scripture tells us that we have to one another. Over a hundred times, it's that phrase in Scripture, one another. Encourage one another. Care for one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. How can you do that when you're always by yourself? So the idea here is that they're going to meet together. It's important for people who are Christians to join together and meet. Uh, sometimes I'll get a question. Actually, oftentimes I'll get a question. People will say, can you be a Christian and not go to church? And um, the technical answer to that is absolutely. You can, the, to become a Christian, you place your faith in Jesus Christ, period, alone, Jesus only, right? But it's like asking a question of like, can you be a football player without a team? You know? Can you go outside and throw the, can you go outside right now and throw the football up to yourself over and over and over again? You could. And that would be okay for a little while, but it would get kind of boring after a bit. You know, can you be a, can you be a soldier and not be in an army? Um, can you be a tuba player and not be in a band? Now, that's not fun. If you've ever heard that before, that's not fun. You know, you have to join together. That's, that's the part of it. So yes, you can be a Christian and never go to church, but we are supposed to be around other people, one anothering other people. Our, our faith grows when we're around other people. There's something special about joining together and reading Scripture and worshiping in the presence of others that just increases our faith and challenges us to grow in our faith. And so we're, there's this, this thought of, you know, meeting together. If we think back when we had COVID, um, no, we still have COVID, but you know what I mean, when we weren't meeting for like that 10, it was like 10 weeks where we didn't meet. I would come here and I would record a message in this room by myself uh, it was horrible, <laughs> horrible. Ten weeks later, we had service outside. It was Memorial Day weekend, and I'll never forget everyone just coming up and saying, oh, it feels so good to be around people again. It feels so good to be around people again. There's this expectation that the church meets together. That's one of the things that we should do. 
Number two, we see in here that churches should focus on Scripture. Somebody said that. I think maybe it was Amber here, focusing on Scripture. Uh, Go back to verse 15. It says, um, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So while you're gathering together, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to take this letter and you're going to read it. And the word read actually means read aloud. You're going to proclaim it. You're going to read it out loud. Um, That's what they were doing together. That was the focus of what they were doing together. Um, Now think of this. This is kind of crazy. But in verse 17, do you remember it says, Say to Archippus, uh, complete the ministry or fulfill the ministry that the Lord has given you. Can you imagine being in a service together or in a home, reading a letter of Scripture, and it has your name in it? You know, it says like, uh, you know, uh, Justin, see to it that, and it starts, you know, Bill, see to it that, Vanessa, see to it that. Wouldn't you sit up straight? You're like, what? This, This Scripture actually has my name in it? Did you know that um, in the early American church, they had these things called exhorters who would then come up and make the, their, their job was to make the message practical with the people. So somebody might come up and say, now, Miss Jones, what this means for you is that you need to change the way you raise your kids. And um, Mr. Smith, the way you've been doing business in town, because of this scripture, you're going to have to change the way you're doing business. Mary, Mary, where, where's Mary at? Mary, you need to be kind, sis, because you're, getting, you're kind of cranky. You're not really showing the love of God to other people. You need, to, you need to be nice. Bill, where's Bill? Bill, you need to stop gossiping. Now, what kind of church service would that be? How, how many of you would still come if that was the case? <laughs> I, 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 think that's, I think that's valuable. I don't know that it's the right place right here to do something like that, but... Um, we do need to have people in our life as a part of the body that have permission to speak into our life. I have people in my life that will say those things to me. I have a group of people in my life, our group, where we have the freedom to say these kinds of things to each other. But you see here that there's this high value of Scripture. So when you think about church, like we say, you know, it's important that the greeters are friendly. That's not the main thing, though. It's, it's important that we have a good kids' ministry. That's good. We should. We should. It's, it's, it's good that they sing the kind of music that you prefer. That's good. But high on the list, high on the list is did they focus on the Scriptures today? Was there a word from heaven today for me? So churches should gather. Churches should focus on Scripture. Number three, churches should share resources Verse 16 says, after this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read to the church of the Laodiceans, and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. So I I love this idea. The New Testament churches, the letters that they would get from Paul and others were circular letters. They would be passed around. Like they would be, they would go to this church, and this church would then read it aloud to everybody. They'd copy it down, and then they'd pass the letter on to the next church, where that church would then read that letter out loud and copy it down and then send the letter to the, to the next church. They didn't have Bibles like you do. They didn't have the YouVersion app on their phone like you do. That's how, they, that's how they read Scripture together. And so wouldn't it be crazy if this little church in Colossae was like, that's our letter. We don't want you to read our letter. 
that's, that's ours. You can't have it. That would be crazy. They would read the letter and they would pass it on. They would share the resources with each other. Their thoughts weren't, well, if we give it over to that church, you know, that church might grow and get kind of big and they'll get bigger than us. And I don't really want them to get better than us. Like we want our church to be bigger than their church. That wasn't the attitude that they had. They were, the persecution was so hot that all they wanted to see was that the people believed in Jesus Christ and began to follow him. There's no competition here at Crossroads. I just want you to know that. There's no competition with the church down the road or the church up the road or the church somewhere down the road. There's no competition between us and them. Uh, as long as people are, are, are giving their life to Jesus and getting serious about Jesus and getting into a family where they can grow, I'm good. You good? We're good. And so we share our resources with each other. In fact, Calvary Chapel Newport News has become really good friends of ours. We, we love them and they love us. We share resources with each other all the time. Tony comes and plays drums sometimes when we need help. We send people over there to help when they need help. Um, we've, we've, we share things like this Friday, coming together to do Good Friday services. We got all kinds of stuff over there, AV stuff, lights. Our baptism tub is over there right now. We're sharing those resources. They're sharing with us. Uh, last year, they, we all got together and they had a, uh, a dinner, a lunch for us. And it was the most incredible lunch I've ever eaten in my entire life. Roasted chicken, homemade mac and cheese, biscuits that would make you punch someone in the face. They were so good. I mean, they're so good. So now it's our turn to re return uh, the favor. And so we're taking Chick-fil-A because that's what we do here. <laughs> we, were, we were not able to do it like that, I guess. Um, but, you know, we pay sometimes, they pay sometimes. We we share, they share, we give, they give. That's the way that it goes. We share our resources. Um, there's another church uh, just up the road from here. Uh, the, the pastor there um, left the, his home church to start a church, and then it wasn't really working out. So he came and he spent time here with us for a while, and then he decided to go ahead out and launch this church. It's not too far from here, Velocity Church. And, and um, I mean, that pastor is hustling, man. He is hustling. He's working hard for the gospel. And um, so when he, when he left here, we gave him all kinds of stuff, sound equipment and other AV stuff that he needed and speakers and all kinds of stuff that he could use there at his church. Um, and we bought him a brand new laptop, which he needed because he makes all the graphics. I mean, he's a one-man show. He makes all the graphics. He does all the lyrics. He does, he does everything on this laptop. So we, we gave him a, a brand new laptop. Well, he reached out to us about three weeks ago and said, my laptop is dying, crashing. I can't get the lyrics on there. I can't work on my sermons. Can you help us? And Crossroads, we bought them a brand new laptop and gave it to them. That's what you do. Because we, man, we remember. Don't we remember what it was like for our resources to be limited? Gosh, I remember. You remember meeting in that room right over there? For those of you who've been here a few years, and when it would rain and the water would drip through the roof on our heads and we'd wear umbrella things like this with an umbrella on it and sit in there, we remember. And we're really blessed and so we're able to share resources with, with other churches. So churches should share the resources. When you aren't looking for a church or you're searching for a church, man, find a church that doesn't isolate themselves but a church that is involved with other churches and sharing resources. Uh, number four, churches should encourage serving. 
I need to hurry up. Um, it says in verse 17, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I don't know what this ministry is. We're not really told what it is, but uh, Archippus was stuck apparently, and this was Paul's way of unsticking him. <laughs> uh, Archippus, tell Archippus, when you, when you read the letter, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. What is God calling you to do? What is God what kind of place of service has God called you to? What ministry has God called you to? Here's my encouragement to you. Complete it. Get to it. Go after it. You might say, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not needed. Baloney. Okay, we need you. We need you. I'm not qualified. Can I just remind you that if you've placed your faith in Jesus, Jesus is in you and you are in him. Hello, you're qualified to do the work. Um, the Holy Spirit will work through you. What is it that you're supposed to be doing? Complete the ministry that you've received from the Lord. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 80-20 rule in churches, anybody? That, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. I don't think that's crossroads, by the way. I think we're more like 60-40. But we wonder, like, why, why, what, why aren't the other 80% doing anything? Are they lazy? Are they, are they um, you know, they feel like they can't do the work? Uh, are they busy? Like, why aren't they, why aren't they jumping in? Why aren't they helping? I think some of those reasons might be the case, but I think the biggest reason is this, that the 20% aren't encouraging the 80% to serve. Encourage people to serve. Ask them to serve with you. Give them opportunities to serve. In this little um, greeting here by Paul, starting up in verse 7, there's 11 different names of different people that Paul is encouraging and serving with. 11 different names. And they're not the heavy hitters. They're not the all-stars, all right? They're not Paul and Peter and James and John. They're names I can't even pronounce. Let's just say that. Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristocarchus, Epaphras, Nympha, Archippus, all these names. 11 names I couldn't even pronounce all of them of people that are just like you and me, servants written in by the Holy Spirit into a letter about the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Pretty incredible. So the message of how is he going to make the world known, is the gospel known is through people like you and me. How is the gospel, the gospel going to be made known into the world? It's people like you and me with the hope of glory inside of them, Christ, serving and sharing and encouraging others. So I encourage you today, if you're not serving, finish the ministry that you've been called to, that God's called you to. And then last, churches should surround their hurting. Churches should be sensitive to the suffering, helpful to the hurting, caring to those who are in hard places. Verse 18 says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Why would Paul write this? Remember my chains. Do you think Paul wanted their pity? I think Paul wanted their prayers. He wanted their prayers. He wanted them to come together and pray for him. He says, remember my chains. A reminder that when, the, when someone in the church suffers, everyone suffers with them. A reminder that when someone in the church body rejoices, everybody rejoices with them. Paul is suffering. Crossroads, you have shined over the last few years with the loss of some incredible family here 
You have shined. You have held each other up. You have carried each other. You have walked with people in their hardest moments. Paul says, remember my chains. Grace be with you. The last verse of this letter, Colossians, the 95th and final verse, Paul never wastes a word. He says, I write this with my own hands. This final greeting, remember my chains, grace to you. I think you're saying, I thought Paul wrote all of Colossians. Well, remember at the beginning it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. So Paul and Timothy were together. Um, Paul was speaking these words to Timothy because Paul is chained in a prison shackled to a wall or shackled to a, another guard. And he's speaking these words as Timothy writes them. The Holy Spirit shares these words with Paul. Timothy writes them down. And then you get to the, the end of verse, you know, chapter 4, starting in verse 7. It's this final greetings. It's from set, chapter uh, 4, verse 7, all the way to chapter 4, verse 18. And it's like Paul says, hey, Timothy, bring the, bring the paper over here. Give me the writing utensil. And he writes these final greetings where he encourages these 11 people and then says to them, remember my chains. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. He's not shackled to a desk, shackled to a wall. And I can just picture him grabbing that paper, you know, and, or papyrus or whatever he had and just writing down these last few words. That's how much that church meant to him. And he gets to the end and he says, remember my chains. Wow. I just want to remind you, Crossroads, that there is no circumstance in your life, including being chained to a prison wall, that can stop the Almighty God from accomplishing through your life exactly what he intends to accomplish through your life. It's an amazing thing. Right here in the last verse. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. Oh, hang on, Paul, just a minute. No, you're in prison. That's where you are. No, that's, I, that's just a, a, a location. I've already told you about my position. I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And they might have me chained to a wall right now, but he, they cannot chain my heart. And I am, when I am free, I will proclaim the name of Jesus. And when I am in prison, I will proclaim the name of Jesus. And you might have circumstances today that are completely upside down. I don't want you to think for a minute, for a minute, that it's going to stop God from doing everything in your life that God intends to do in your life, if you'll let him. He is everything. And he is everything in you. And he is changing everything about you. And nothing can stop him. No loss, no hurt, no brokenness can stop him from doing in you exactly what he intended to do. Praise the Lord. Amen? And that's how this whole chapter ends. So as the worship team comes, just a couple questions for us. Uh, number one, where are you missing out on what every person in the church should do? Where are you missing out on what every person in the church should do? Will you open yourself up to a church family today that does these things? 
and know that Crossroads would love to have you as part of our family. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this incredible word to us, Lord, this letter that just shows us who you are, Jesus, that you are everything, and that you are in us, and we are in you, and that you are changing everything, even the church. And we've seen that in the last few years here, even at Crossroads. You have changed everything about this church, and it's been even changed through heartache and hard times, but you've done that work in us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. God, help us to truly reflect now on what we might be missing out on that every person in the church should do. Help us to be open, to open our hands to you, to never close our hands to you, but open them to you, to do exactly what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Crossroads Community Church. If this message was meaningful to your life, please let us know by sending an email to office at crossroads.cc. You can also watch our services live every Sunday at 9.30 and 11 a.m. or visit our campus in Yorktown, Virginia. If you would like to connect with us, fill out our Connect card by the link in our podcast description. We hope you have a blessed week and we can't wait for you to listen again soon.